about the nature of consciousness. It's a, it's a very um, kind of hot topic in the uh, philosophical and scientific community. And um, that is, uh, in more recent years, that's the case. Um, there were decades and centuries where it wasn't a subject at all. Um, and so that just gives some very brief, uh, very general idea of how the um, understanding of the scientific community as to the nature of reality can um, can change. <clears throat> and of course, I'm talking about the change from the Newtonian perspective to the quantum perspective, um, the latter of which the ramifications of, the implications of, are not fully understood, um, but inescapable. Two-thirds of the uh, world economy is run on the uh, basis of a quantum uh, understanding of nature. So it's uh, deriving a pragmatic uh, result, if you will. But the implications of it, I say, are, are far-reaching, and uh, there are many, many, many conjectures about it. Uh, but one of the things that has very much come into play as a result of this uh, perspective is, as I say, consciousness. So there's a lot of thinking about consciousness. There's been a physical uh, qualities with the idea that everything is physical. Um, And that idea usually conflates consciousness with mind also. that's been very difficult for the scientific community to do. Um, and so they, the nature of the physical tends to extend and stretch and uh, to try to accommodate it. Um, and also, it's, it was thought for the longest time that consciousness is, is only a human uh, event or experience or reality, illusion, as they might think about it. Um, and that idea is very much uh, being challenged at this time, and hence a panpsychic perspective, which is what you're referring to, the idea that consciousness is everywhere. Uh, less than a decade ago, anybody in the scientific community who would have posited panpsychism would have been thought to be a raving lunatic, because the idea would be that trees are conscious like we are, bees, mm-hmm. birds, 
and have thoughts and uh, and uh, discussions and and so on, so on. Um, um, uh, they have they have they have minds and. Um, and again, often the consciousness is conflated with mind. Um, so th- you need a definition of what consciousness is. To begin with, we have our own, and it's been around for a long time. Um, and it is a panpsychic perspective that consciousness underlies everything. Um, at the same time, it uh, it doesn't say that as a result of that, birds and bees and so forth are having the same type of uh, uh, experience of life as, as we are or as we might depict them in a cartoon. Hmm. Um, but, the, that, that, but, but that consciousness, of course the Vedic perspective, the mystic perspective of Vedanta is that consciousness is all-pervasive and expresses itself in different forms of matter relative to the, to the form of matter. Mm-hmm. I've given an example before that if you drive a Mercedes and I drive a Volkswagen, we're, we both have the capacity to press the pedal to the floor, but your car is only is going to go faster than mine because you have a different vehicle. So different vehicles, different bodily configurations, physical and psychological configurations, will shape the ability to which consciousness can express itself materially. So... We don't have to, that is to say, posit some kind of proto-consciousness, which is a popular idea in the, in the attempt to accommodate uh, panpsychism. There's some kind of proto-consciousness that's not really consciousness as we know it as humans that starts to form at some point and through evolution it becomes what we know it to be or what we experience it to be um, in, in human life. So no, we from the Vedic perspective, from the Vedanta perspective, consciousness is, of course, not material. It drives the world, if you will, and um, at the same time, it is, its ability to express itself is, uh, is is limited to the the shape that it's in, the form that it's in, and how it got in that form. That's a whole other subject, and so on and so forth. So. Uh, it's interesting, anyway, that the, the community, the scientific and philosophical community, is, as we go forward, uh, begins to embrace ideas uh, about consciousness, uh, like panpsychism, for example, or the idea that there is a mind separate from the brain. This is another idea that's that's gaining gaining ground in the because the attempt to reduce the mind simply to a brain has, has not worked out, although there are correlations between mental events and brain events. It doesn't mean that the brain causes the mind. And uh, the correlation could be such that mind causes events in the brain rather than brain causing events in the mind. Anyway, it's a huge subject and all kinds of speculations about it. And um, I don't know enough about the article that you read regarding uh, um, the idea that there are in 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 a lobotomy, which is what a removal of the brain. It's like uh, the connection between two halves of the brain is cut. It's cut. Uh, then there are two halves of the person, or something like that. Yeah, I don't. Uh, 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 we'd have to look at that. But um, but your question is, um, as I understand it, how does the Sanskrit term ahankar? How does that relate to consciousness proper, right? Consciousness itself. 
Ahankar means ego. It literally means aham, I, car, maker. I maker. So it's a function of what we call subtle matter that, uh, as, as you know, we posit that there is physical matter and there is psychic matter or mental matter. Both matter. And above that and, and independent of both is consciousness itself. Consciousness itself reflecting on matter, that reflection shows up in psychic matter, which has the capacity to take on qualities, consciousness-like qualities. So mind, it's understandable why it might be conflated with consciousness, because it takes on qualities that are actually the qualities of consciousness as a reflection takes on the, uh, the, the, the quality of light of the sun in, in the pond, for example. Obviously, there's a big difference between the reflection of light appearing, of, let's say, of the moon in the lake on the full moon night and the moon itself. Hmm? So there's a big difference between the mental world, from the point of view of Vedanta, and the world of consciousness itself. But the mental world is the world where we live, materially speaking. We live in a, in a world of feelings, emotions, of quali- qualitative experiences. Hmm. Um, and, uh, and in that subtle matter that make up in, in, in the yogic world, you know, the, the word mind is, 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 uh, isn't sufficient to describe that psychic matter. It, it is different components. Ahankar, this ego, uh, uh, buddhi, discrimination, uh, manas, uh, desires, mind, I like this, I don't like that. Hmm? Chitta. Chitta is the microcosm of the macrocosm of, of, of that that has the ability as I was saying earlier, to reflect pure consciousness. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's referred to as consciousness, chitta. But there's a material, psychic manifestation of it, which is only a fle- reflection of actual consciousness proper. Mm-hmm. So within these four, ego is one of them. And ego is, the, is the, uh, what, what, what shapes then a material um, sense of Identity, hmm? the that the the, the, uh, the as I say often, we may think I am this or I am that. I am American. I am South African. I am Costa Rican. I am black. I am white. I am man. I am woman. In all of these things, and we could be a man and have a sex change and become a woman, right? Depends what state you're in, I guess, <laughs> whether they were accepted or not. But to get my point, the, the, the this or the that that we identify with when we say "I am this" or "I am that" can is subject to change. But what is not subject to change is is the fact that I am. I am this. I am that. That remains the same. But the this or the that is kind of in a, in in a, in, a, in a general sense the function of the the false ego, to determine I am this or I am that, that sense of identity that I'm actually not, that obscures the fact, the larger fact that I am 
and I am misidentifying with things that come and go, and I don't. And so the coming and going sense of identities, this is, uh, in, in a kind of real general sense, this is the, uh, the function of the false ego. With the ego, then you can function in the world. It has its virtues, but it's, it's, uh, it's problematic from another perspective. So it shapes the sense of, sense of self. It's a false sense of self. And, and yoga is, is therefore dissecting it, if you will, de- de- deconstructing it, I should say. The way that we deconstruct, of course, is that on the chitta we bring some scars of bhakti. We invite some scars of bhakti. We have some scars or tendencies, impressions from the from tamaguna, rajaguna, sattvaguna. These uh, these appear in the psyche in the form of, I want to say, contentment, discontentment, and uh, delusion. So we have states, mental states of contentment. We have mental states of discontentment, which contentment causes us to be still. I'm happy now. Something like that. Discontentment causes to move. So from sattva, contentment, to rajas, to movement. And then delusion also may cause us to be still in some kind of a deluded stupor and from a physical point of view, under the influence of some kind of inertia or something like that. So these influences, these psychic experiences, also have a corresponding physical um, um, influence. And so we're affected by them, and we get some scars from um, uh, associating with uh, actions driven by these different forces, sattva, rajas, and tamas. Hmm. So the sattva, rajas, and tamas, these are are not impressions that will promote clear thinking and... um, and, uh, Fine spiritual discrimination to discriminate between matter and, and uh, for example, and consciousness. Sattvic impressions will help us in that regard, um, but impressions of bhakti, they um, have the power to override impressions of rajas and tamas. And sattva, and they give many some pr- transcendental impressions. Mm-hmm. And of course, that subtle body is taken over by by bhava, by the internal shakti of the Godhead, and then one moves according to that influence mm-hmm. and has another identity, right? Mm-hmm. Now you have a different sense of ego as a servant of Krishna. So that's the basic idea. What else? Do you believe that at any point science may come to a point of uh, understanding, quantifying the mind and the qualities, such as Rajas, Tom, and Buddha? Or is it too subtle with other kind of 
substance per se. Mind can be studied. Um, to some extent, it is obviously studied in the field of psychology, to some extent. Um, but that, for the longest time, of course, I, I don't know much, much nowadays, but it, it was always called a soft science, not a real science, because mind isn't real. <laughs> and uh, take a pill and, and it's all physical and so forth. Um, um, but um, uh, you know, there. Are, what is science today is one thing. What science may be tomorrow uh, is, is maybe another thing. Hmm. Also, so um, if we come to accept that there is, in, in the scientific community, if they come to accept that there is something called psychic matter, then um, then this is a change. In science, because it, it's been looking at the whole world forever as if it's just physical, hmm. and and so proof, truth, is this third-person objective verification and so forth. Um, so it's hard to apply that same method for arriving at so-called conclusive truth in relation to it, something that's inherently subjective. So I think you you know w- with with the acceptance of psychic matter, you open the door to a whole new s- approach to what science is. Hmm. Um, so yes, but not the way they're going about it now. <laughs> uh, um, and that's good. It wouldn't be the first time it it, it it changed. And of course, then there are the you know, yoga is is really a science in the sense, in the sense that it's it, that it's very objective. It, it seeks to demonstrate through a methodology that there is a difference between consciousness and matter, between the self and the body mind complex, um, and there is results that come from it. People feel and experience and live as if there's more to their life, although having less wanting less, needing less, having less, diminishing the physical needs, the emotional needs, the mental needs, and living a fuller life. At the same time, uh, as much as yoga can demonstrate this, especially in adepts, we have a reason to, to believe that, hmm, the theory, hmm, that there's something called consciousness, there is a real self that's independent of matter and thrives Independent of matter, and in 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 identification with or misidentification with matter, it it um, its uh, virtues are obscured. Qualities are obscured. So, when you open the door to a new science, then then um, will be the place of uh, spiritual practice and mysticism. My idea has always been that science was born as a Christian. Modern science, if you will, with the scientific experiment. I mean, uh, that idea, uh, the, the what do they call it? The, the um, not the scientific experiment, but the controlled. controlled experiment. Yeah, you control the environment. You make a test. You get the data. You get the truth. <laughs> you get something. <laughs> but um, 
uh, that idea was born in Christian Europe. Later it became largely agnostic. In its youth, now in its adult life, it's become largely atheistic. My sense is for it to thrive into old age, it will have to become a mystic. So from from being a Christian to being an agnostic to being an atheist to being a, a mystic. Mystic is... Mystics have a certain approach to understanding reality. Science has a certain approach. Where can these come together? Hmm? Hmm? That's the, the, the idea. And that, 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 that does away with fundamentalist religious perspectives that science is so against, almost to the extent that it becomes fundamentalistic in its uh, declarations and approach and, and so forth. So mysticism... And the best of science, uh, you know, for example, we can know things by sense perception. We can know things by reason. The scripture says there are certain things that things that you can't know by that. It doesn't say that those instruments for knowing are absolutely uh, imperfect. Uh, they're imperfect in a comprehensive sense, but they have value. And, and that's pretty much what the scientific community is using as instruments sense experience and, uh, and, and, and and reason to understand the truth. We say that it's something that extends beyond the ken of um, empiricism and rationalism. Hmm? It's not irrational, it's a trans-rational reality and there's trans-rational methodologies to uh, experience it, to know it. Hmm? And in saying that, we don't dismiss reason or sense perception, we use them, <laughs> in fact. Mm. Um, so, so, yeah, we'll see what, the, what, what lies ahead in, in, the, uh, in the scientific community. What else? Yes. Um, sometimes it's used, you've used uh, kind of like yogic terms or terms from Ashtanga Yoga, Yama, 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 and then there's this term, Dharana, uh, or what is it? A concentration, concentration? Concentration, yeah. And then Dhyan, meditation. What's the difference between those two in, in our perspective? I've, I've heard Dhyan is being used as like Japa or well, the, the the term in bhakti that is popular and was given by Prahlad is smarnam. Smarnam literally, excuse me, literally means rem- remembrance, I guess. And um, at, at the same time, uh, Jiva Goswami has divided that smarnam into different stages. So smarnam could mean simple remembrance. You remember Krishna. Hmm? You remember the stories about Krishna with your mind. Hmm? With your mind, you remember stories about Krishna. Or maybe with your mind, you memorize some story or, or something like that. Hmm? So that's a, a form of smarnam, but that's a form of smarnam that's very uh, like kind of a beginning idea of that. It's, 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 it's bringing the mind in touch in some way 
uh, to, to a limited extent with Krishna. As much as the story actually represents and it does justice, you know, to the reality of Krishna, uh, that's limited also. And the story about Krishna is an attempt to speak about something that's beyond word, beyond thought. It's a, it's powerful. The depictions of, of, of the Godhead on the part of saints and so forth, but the actual experience exceeds even what they can, they can talk about. It's kind of like an outline or a table of contents or something like that. That's power. So to remember the stories, for example, like people do, even, even children, uh, it's a, it's a form of smarnam. Um, but, and, and one can do that in almost any stage, even without being formally a sadhaka, a practitioner of bhakti, the children can remember the stories and hear them, right? Um, that, however, is, is, while it's something anyone can do, other more developed stages of smarnam are not possible for anyone and everyone everyone and everyone to do. Because smarnam, when we talk about it in terms of smarnam, what is what are the divisions Jiva Goswami gives? Smarnam is divided into um, Pratyahara, Dharna, Dhyan, Samadhi, Dhruvanu Smriti. Is Samadhi the last one or Dhruvanu Smriti? Smarnam. And, and then Samadhi. Anyway, he's got the five dish, uh, uh, divisions. So, what is Pratyahara? Pratyahara, it's the same what it means in yoga, in Astanga Yoga. It means to the, the attempt to withdraw the mind from things, in this case, unrelated to Krishna. To withdraw the mind from those things hmm, and in the context of that to think of Krishna. Now that is different than just remembering a story. Right? That's where the smarna becomes yogic, if you will. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a focused effort to withdraw the mind from distractions and focus it hmm, on on your ideal. Hmm? Now, as much as that's yogic, and we we, we, we try to do that, the sadhaka tries to do that, hmm? as much as, as possible, but what inhibits the sadhaka from doing that is the fact that, that there are, other than Krishna, there are other things in the heart, other desires, right? So they, we try to withdraw from them, but they have a hold on us. Hmm? So until the heart is sufficiently cleansed of those desires and aspirations, it's no longer haunted by the ghosts of other uh, desires and so forth, then it's difficult to sit still and do dharana, which means to be able to sit and concentrate. Having withdrawn, you can practice that, but then to come to a point of actually concentrating, hmm, that that 
it's, it's the, the ability to do this depends on the cleansing of the heart. That's why in the Gita, when Krishna is talking about jnana, knowledge, and contemplative life, he contrasts it with active life, the karma, the world of action, and he, and he posits this in-between idea. Do karma, do action, but do it without being attached to the results of the action, which makes your action take on a yogic kind of uh, quality. And in the context of that action, the heart is purified. In mystic insight comes into the heart. And in due course, one can then effectively sit and be a contemplative. If one hears, you should meditate and be a contemplative because the world is here today and gone tomorrow, so he runs off to the mountain to be a contemplative, but he's got all types of desires in the heart, hmm? good luck, right? He's not going to be successful. He says, it didn't work. It didn't work. I tried it. It didn't work. Hmm? So there's a reason it didn't work because you weren't qualified to meditate. There are th- things that you could do to further qualify yourself for meditation. So chanting requires no qualification. Meditation, samaranam in a higher sense, developed sense of the term, does require some qualification. It's just very practical. Hmm. Hmm. What most people do, other than simply remembrance, is they engage in what is some type of pratyahara, trying to withdraw, trying to withdraw. Hmm. Now, in our school, of course, we're, we're doing bhakti, so we're hearing and chanting. Chanting, the kirtan, has the power to cleanse the heart. This is its first effect, cheta darpanamajan. The chitta becomes cleansed of other impressions, hmm? rajasic impressions, tamaguna impressions, hmm? even sattvaguna impressions, in due course. Hmm? So, as this result, the same result you're looking for in karma yoga in order to enter into jnana yoga within the context of bhakti, as this cleansing of the heart takes place, then the possibility of real uh, dharana, dhyana, duranu smriti, and samadhi, at higher stages of smarnam, where the mind, from pratyahara you're trying to withdraw the mind, from dharana you can actually concentrate it for some time. Hmm? In dhyan, dhyan means, well, it means meditation. Hmm? And meditation means, the, the, in this sense, you're, you're actually meditating, the mind is absorbed. You're meditating. You're not doing pratyahara, you're not concentrating, you're actually meditating. Hmm? You understand? You're actually meditating. So it's not that everybody sits there, sits here is, 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 in, in, a, in the yogic poses, actually meditating. This is a very much a kind of a, uh, a Western, if you will, um, um, overgeneralization of what meditation means. It means to concentrate, it means to relax, it, it means to sit you know, in one place and focus the mind. It actually means that the mind is arrested. Hmm? And now you're, you're meditating. So, uh, and so there will be experience in the meditation. Um, and that meditation, in the context of bhakti, that dhyan, will turn into druvanusmriti. Anusmriti, druva, means like fixed, 
Hmm. So an intensification of the medica- meditation from Dhruvanu Smriti into Samadhi. So when you can do Dhyan, Dhruvanu Smriti, so th- th- then this, you can really effectively practice, for example, Rag Bhakti, Leela Samaranam, and so forth. When you do what's ca- what some people call Leela Samaranam, just remembering the Leelas of Krishna with your mind and so forth, it's not... Um, it's not uh, the uh, Siddharupena Chatra. It, it's not Seva in the Siddharupa, in a meditative body. Hmm? Rupa Goswami says in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, we should do Seva in our practitioner's body, we should do Seva in a meditative body, Siddharupa. Hmm? Siddharupa means they have a Siddharupa. <laughs> have a perfect form and to function within it in a meditative sense. Hmm? So if I tell you this is your Siddha Rupa, it's like this, you haven't gone there yet. Hmm? And if you try to do Leela Smarnam with that, you, you can do something. But whether that will be as effective as Kirtan, this is the question, properly done. Because Kirtan has great force, great power greater power than, than, than meditation. Therefore, meditation needs to be, in bhakti, supported by kirtan. And the success of meditation is it will result in kirtan, further kirtan. Hmm? <laughs> That's an interesting point. Hmm? So, this point brought out in, uh, in Sanatana Goswami's Brihat uh, Bhagavatamrita. Hmm? So, um, in our particular school, there's a strong emphasis on, on the kirtan. And, and we see the kirtan. When, when we take kirtan also to mean not only nam-kirtan, chanting the name, but the kirtan of like this, this is kirtan, to try to explain the, 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 the sacred text, the implications of them and so forth. Sugadeva was speaking to the Raj. That's the main storyline in the Bhagavatam, the emperor, Parikshit. And he said, Sugadeva the sage is said to become, have become perfect by the kirtan of the Bhagavat. Speaking in the Bhagavad, the verses of the Bhagavad. Hmm? So, um, when you try to explain the philosophy to someone, you have to concentrate, right? You have to think, what am I going to tell him? He said, What are those beads? Where do I begin? <laughs> you know, okay, well, <laughs> um, and then you have to use your mind. So, it's, it's a powerful, understood in that way as it was promoted by Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsi Thakur, it's a powerful um, means for arresting uh, the mind hmm? and, um, and, and getting some absorption, if you will. And, um, and so, it, in other words, it fosters meditation. Uh, there was a line by Bhakti Siddhanta in a prayer. He sat for, what was it, a decade... It did in, in in solitude, chanting on on, on a japa mala on beads, the Hare Krishna mantra, and afterwards he said, he said, what did he say? Dushtaman tumikishervashnav. He said, dear mind, what kind of devotee are you? Hmm? And he, the poem goes on to speak about about many people try to sit in solitude and chant but their minds are focused on other things. Hmm? And this is hypocritical. This is, this is a problem. Hmm? 
he said he he got up from his kirtan, which was his his his, his uh, meditation, which was successful, and he mounted a campaign of kirtan for circulation of the name of Krishna, explain, explaining these things to the public and so forth, as a means to um, meditation, rather than oh, uh, the advanced devotee sits and chants and meditates. I will sit and chant, but you cannot do it. In the name of thinking of Krishna and Radha, you're thinking of Mary and Jane or Bob and Joe. <laughs> and uh, uh, one one of my godbrothers, uh, he was asked our Guru Maharaj that if, if he, he said he would like to stay in the holy place of India in Mayapur, uh, one of the holy places, and, and just chant. So my Guru Maharaj said, try it. So he had a little straw hut and he sat in there and he was chanting on his beads like so many hours of the day, you know, 18 hours a day chanting and um, and chanting. And uh, after about a week, 10 days, they would bring him a meal every day. Someone would bring a meal and just put it there. And he would eat and they would take it, he would wash his hands and he'd go back to chant. So this is what we find very some very advanced devotees like Haridas Thakur were doing that. He was chanting 22 and a half hours a day. And then he would take a bath, wash, take something to eat and start chanting again. I mean, so so this is not something to imitate. So he was trying to do this, but he wasn't spiritually advanced enough to do it. And so what happened after a couple of weeks, he started to think, are they going to bring me that same rice? <laughs> Are they going to bring some sweets this time? Is there going to be any fruit for lunch? Hmm? His mind started to go like that. Hmm? And then it went you know, further. And when it further out, he said, okay, I can't do this. So he went to our guru and said, I tried. This is what happened. And Prabhupada said, so go and do kirtan for 10 years, then come back and try again. Hmm? And see. So this should be the fruit of our kirtan. Good, hmm? we can sit and do dhyan. Hmm? If we need to be active, then be active in this way. Hmm? For sharing the, uh, the, 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 uh, the wealth of our um, blessing to be involved in bhakti, to even contemplate these ideas, to, 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 to be able to identify with them, embrace, embrace them. This is a, a glorious thing. You're, you're not an... An ordinary person. They're not ordinary ideas. Hmm? To live in a place like this, it's very, it's a very special opportunity. It's not going to be. There's not going to be millions of people ready, ready to do this. It's not. It's not going to happen. Hmm? So um, then, to share your good fortune, to be part of a project like this, that that is, uh, that gives you facility to really directly cultivate it and to. Uh, to share it. We open it for guests, they come, they have some experience of it, some opportunity to hear about it and so forth, and we we make sure their cabins are clean. <laughs> and that cleans our heart. <laughs> Something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's possible that in this life you may not be able to sit mm-hmm. like that. But we're not concerned with that. We're concerned with doing service and practicing relative to the level of our progress. Hmm? And we know hmm? that we'll call our progress, and in due course, we know that we'll be successful. Hmm?
A man, a devotee asked Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, when, when I'll be liberated? He said, when all of the trees, when all the leaves and all the trees in all the worlds fall. And he said, and then he began dancing. I will. It will happen at some point. Hmm? So he knew the value of that. He thought, oh, I only have to wait, whatever, a zillion years. Hmm? But what is a zillion years in relation to a moment of eternity? Hmm? And there are moments in eternity. That's a beautiful thing. Hmm? There is time within eternity for the sake of sequence and leela. Hmm? Divine interaction with the Godhead. But there's no there's no beginnings, no end. So a little patience is uh, is a virtue virtue. Paciencia is una cualidad buena. Me entiendes? Una una devota el pregunté, preguntó pregunta cuando yo voy, me voy, yo voy me voy para para Vioma, para Goloka. ¿Mm? El maestro espiritual, él dijo, cuando todos los hojas caen, caen en todos los árboles, en todos los mundos. Y el devoto he began to dance. Celebración. Celebración. ¿Por qué? Porque él conoce. Yo me voy. Seguro. ¿Mm? Si tiempo está largo, no está problema. Si puedo salir para allá, seguro. ¿Seguro? ¿Mm? ¿Me entiendes? ¿Mm? So tenemos tiempo. Pero necesitamos también usar tiempo de nosotros bueno well bien bien entiendes y aquí está es buen buen jugar para para este para practicar me entiendes tienes usted tiene saraka deja deja cuerpo cuerpo de de para practicando, para practicando. Cuando usted usa su cuerpo para practicando yoga y bhakti, completamente, toda la, every drop of blood, how do you say? Cada gota de sangre. ¿Mm? Para el servicio de Krishna. ¿Mm? Entonces, al entro, otro deja viene. ¿Mm? Otro deja espiritual para participación en servicio en la lila de Krishna, ¿me entiendes? ¿Mm? Dos cuerpos y dos perfecto. ¿Mm? Este también perfecto. ¿Mm? Eso <ríe> es posible, ¿me entiendes? ¿Mm? Estamos hablando de el subjeto, sujeto, smaranam. ¿Qué es Smaranam? ¿Conoce este palabra? Smaranam. Kirtanam, Shravanam. Shravanam. 
Kirtanam, Smaranam, Meditación. En Meditación, en Smaranam, en la Escuela de Bhakti, divisiones, cinco divisiones. Los más altas divisiones no están posibles para todos los devotos. Necesitan primero limpiar la, el corazón. ¿El corazón? ¿Cómo? Con, con cantando, con kirtan, predicando. Es una forma de, de, de kirtan también, ¿me entiendes? ¿Mm? And gradualmente, gradualmente. Sí podemos, I say remember, acuerdar con la mente. Este lila, otra lila. Pero este es, es, no está eh, meditación completamente, ¿me entiendes? ¿Mm? Para meditación necesita limpiar la corazón, el, el corazón, el corazón. ¿Mm? So, smaranam is simple remembrance. Unos niños pueden. ¿Me entiendes? Está bien. Pero no está meditación completamente. ¿me entiendes? Y uh, antes de, 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 de este tipo, pratyahara. Todos los devotos, si ellos están practicando, serioso, están uh, doing, están haciendo pratyahara. Quitar la mente de afuera. Quitarlo. Sí. Después de este, este um, stage, estación, el próximo, es dharana, concentración, la habilidad para concentración. Después de este estación, actualmente Dhyan, meditación. Después de este, Dhruvanusmriti, Dhruva, can't be moved. Y entonces, últimamente, último, Samadhi. ¿Me entiendes? Es discusión, más o menos. ¿Ok? All right, what is the time? Anything else? Yes? Is it possible for a devotee to stay within the earthly leela to attain his perfection? Krishna's earthly Yeah. To go back and forth between the two. Yeah. As it, as it moves around, I was under the impression it went from the universe to the earth. It's possible to move between the two. You like that idea? <laughs> Typically, um, uh, as, dis- as explained by Vishwanath Chakravartyakur, the devotee takes birth in the lila, so in the manifest lila. From there, he goes to unmanifest lila, but the unmanifest lila comes. So we find in Brihadaragatamrita, Gopakumar is kind of going between the two. Well, actually, he's going between. Anyway, yeah, it's possible. Yeah. told about the most sadhakas are focused on pratyahara, withdrawing the mind from sense objects and focusing on transcendence. Uh, but uh, as we know that in Bhakti Marga, the emphasis is on uh, positive cultivation of 
bhakti samskaras rather than avoiding material samskaras. So, how does Jeeva Goswami fit Pratyahara in Smaranam? Although it is observed that sadhakas have to uh, stay, like withdraw the mind from the sense objects, but... Because some, some things are anukul, are, are pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Okay. You understand? Yeah. So if it's unfavorable, then you put it in that context. Right. Then it's unfavorable to bhakti, so I withdraw my mind from that. Okay. So it has a positive connotation. What you're saying, obviously, is that pratyahara has a negative connotation, yeah. withdrawing from the negative, whereas bhakti overall has a positive connotation. What is renunciation in bhakti? We give up things that are not pleasing to Krishna. So, looked at more comprehensively, that's loving Krishna. If you love someone, you don't do things that won't please them. You're not thinking, I'm giving up things. You're thinking, I'm loving someone. And this is part of it. <laughs> so, it, it, Bhakti has a positive connotation like this, and Pratyahara also, when looked at in that light. And yeah. another thing is that, we told that uh, Leela Smaranam, it leads to further kirtan. The Kirtan leads to the last moment, uh, after uh, artist cleansed, and then that last moment leads to further Kirtan. Yeah. And uh, but also it is said that I think in Bhakti Rasamrishan Guru Goswami says that the meditation on the Leela in the Siddha Deha is the central uh, practice of Raghunanda Bhajan. So how does this two Because in the Leela you will do Kirtan. Oh, in the Leela. Okay. So it will lead to that kind of Kirtan. <laughs> in other words, it, it, Sanatana Goswami makes the point in Brihad Bhagavatamrita in relation to the idea of the difference between antar darshan, internal darshan of Krishna, and and meeting him face to face, something like that, and the superiority of the latter, which will give rise to kirtan. In a, in, a, in, a, in a perfected, of course, you're going to go have antar darshan in, in the stage of bhava, in a sense, but then in prema, hmm, it's not that you're sitting and meditating on Krishna, you're actually standing in, 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 in front of Krishna in a fully developed siddhadeha, in the leela, in leela seva. Hmm? And they're not meditating, right? They're doing service and chanting about Krishna and simply remembering the stories about <laughs> <laughs> <Hello>, Krishna. <laughs> Looks like the beginners, right? <laughs> that they're perfect. Right. Okay, we'll stop there. See Hari Kirtana Ki Jai, Krishna Balaram Ki Jai, Guru Vaishnava Guru Parampara Ki Jai, or Bhaktivinda Ki Jai, Guru Premanam.